0: You are listening to episode 23 of Double Share, a trader's tale from the golden age of the solar clipper, written in read by Nathan Lowell. Chapter 45, Diurnia System, 2358, November 6th. When nothing happens, it's easy to begin to convince yourself that it was all a paranoid delusion. While the old syllogism about paranoia is undoubtedly valid and they are all out to get you, the reality is that sometimes paranoia is just a state of mind. You see something, you jump to conclusions, it's self defense. We were still about 10 days short of diurnia at last, and it looked like we'd make it back without any further difficulties. Burnside's attempts to woo Miss Kramer were being ineffectual. I had it on good authority that remembering what happened to his last girlfriend made it easy to ignore his tablet bips. There had been no more assaults reported, and the Bumble brothers had limited their hostility to a continual sneer, punctuated with the odd glare for good measure. Mostly they were being ignored. "'We'd come through transition without any problems,' The captain had come out of his cabin for the half a stand that he needed to be on the bridge and then disappeared down the ladder and into the cabin again. For mercy, he hadn't called me down to strip my hide for anything. I rather expected to hear about how many of the crew had earned their ratings advances, but he didn't say anything. My tablet continued to turn on intercom transducers as I moved around the ship. The audio logs were an amusing map of my day and week. I only hoped that I hadn't said or done anything incriminating. The alarm that I'd placed on them had never been tripped. It was uncanny, although I suppose it made some sense, considering that none of the crew had been aboard when the ship was commissioned. "'Did you hear about Zhang?' Charlotte's voice broke into my reverie. I glanced up from the watch station and looked at her across the bridge. "'No. What about Zhang, Miss Deng?' I asked. "'Seems he broke his arm,' she said. Juliet was at the helm, and she snickered. "'Unfortunate accident?' I asked. She shrugged. "'Alone in the gym.' reportedly he fell off the treadmill. I raised an eyebrow in her direction. Does that seem likely, Miss Deng? Absolutely, sir, she replied. Footsteps on the ladder resolved into Mallory, and Burnside wasn't far behind. We relieved the watch, and I went to bed very shortly after dinner. Normally I'd have run or done a couple of sets of Tai Chi, but I was exhausted, and really only wanted to crawl into my bunk. I stripped out of my ship suit and clambered into said bunk, pulling the covers over me, and dropping into sleep like a rock into a pond. I dreamt about a wolf and a fox playing tag in the woods, and a falcon soaring in a crystal sky. A graceful heron stood on the edge of the pond and flashed to snatch a silvery fish. It wasn't a very clear or cogent dream, but in the end a fierce owl with brilliant green eyes dived at my face, talons outstretched toward my eyes. I woke with a start, sure that I'd heard something. I lay there for a few heartbeats, trying to place the sound. I half expected it to be the bip-bip-b of my tablet alarm. I blinked my eyes open enough to see the chrono's glowing digits: 00:36. The sound didn't repeat, so I sighed and snuggled back down into the bunk. I still had a few stands I could sleep, and I hoped the weird dream didn't start up again. I closed my eyes and started to slip back into the warm darkness watching the after-images of my stateroom playing against the back of my eyelids. Just in time, I recognized the shape of two people standing inside my door. Only their marginally darker shapes against the darkness of the door gave them away as the after-images faded off the inside of my eyelids. I rolled off the bunk and onto the floor as the first fist slammed into the mattress where I'd been laying. Of course, that dropped me onto the feet of my attackers, and with nowhere else to go, they fell on top of me in a heap when my weight and momentum caught them off guard— they were as tangled in themselves as they were in me, and that gave me a moment to wriggle out of the pig pile and scramble to the doorway. I flung open the door and slapped the light switch at the same time. The glaring overhead light flared and cast a pool of light out into the dimmed passage. I turned to look over my shoulder and saw a ponies and Mosler tangled in the narrow area beside my bunk. They were blinking from the sudden glare and trying to find where I'd gone. Mosler had a hand up, rubbing the back of his head where he'd apparently found the edge of my desk as he'd fallen. I was still marveling that they'd be so stupid as to try to get at me in my own stateroom when my training kicked in and I heard the movement behind me. I stepped to the side and a hard fist, backed up by a burly forearm, flashed past my face and crashed into the bulkhead. I heard the distinct sound of small bones snapping even over the thud of the blow into the wall and the subsequent wail of pain. Burnside was right beside me, but he was no longer looking at me. The pain in the hand he'd driven against the wall was claiming the lion's share of his attention. He bit down on the noise and pulled his hand back to his chest, trying to protect it. Behind me, I could hear Mosler and Aponiz crawling out from under the desk and heading in my direction. They gained their feet, and Aponiz had a look on his face that said several bad words without actually uttering a sound. They rushed me, the pair of them. I thought for a heartbeat that they'd bind up in the narrow door, but Mosler hung back just enough to put his shoulder behind opponents and give him that little extra momentum. It was like watching a freight train coming straight at me, and I knew it was going to hurt like hell when they hit. Tai Chi is like that, though. The basic idea is that it's difficult for opponent to hurt you if you don't stand still for the blow. I shifted my weight to my back leg and let my torso pivot around as the two burly crewmen exploded out of my stateroom. I felt Epona's lowered shoulder just slide across my upper body as I turned. The full mass and momentum of the two heavy men sailed past me and into the stationary figure of Burnside, who was still trying to get his mind around the pain in his broken hand. They collided with his broken hand, driving it into his own sternum before pushing him backwards across the passageway where he slammed against the bulkhead hard enough to rattle the ship. I heard sounds from Freddie's and Mel's staterooms, and in the only really conscious decision I made in the previous tick, I stepped back into my own stateroom and closed the door even before the tangle of groaning men slid to the deck. All I could hear outside was quiet curses and groans, and once something that sounded like a slap. My tablet bipped and I retrieved it from the shelf above my bunk. It was a note from Mel. You okay? it asked. I sent back. So far. Anything I can do? Came back once more. Not tonight, I sent. Let's talk tomorrow. I heard the commotion in the passageway getting sorted out, and I braced myself against the door. They didn't try again, though, and I heard them scuffling down toward Burnside's stateroom and the sound of a closing door. I let out the breath I'd been holding since stepping back into the room and seriously considered how I was going to secure the door against further attacks. Burnside had the key codes to every door on the ship. I could change my code, but his access gave him the tools he needed to get in any time I wanted. What I needed was a mechanical lock, or something to block the door. None of the furniture moved. It was all bolted or hinged to the bulkheads. My eyes kept dancing from the desk to the chair to the bunk, trying to figure out how to solve the problem. I leaned up against my grav pallet and eyed the distance to the door, wondering if I could do something like take the mattress from the bunk and lay it on the deck so that if anybody came into my room the door would bind against the mattress. It seemed a bit of a stretch. I sighed when the answer came to me. There are days, and apparently nights, when I shouldn't be allowed out alone. I leaned back, keyed the release on my grav pallet, and maneuvered it out of the storage cubby, sliding it over to block the door with a hundred kilograms of clothes and other artifacts. I made sure my toes were well out of the way before I let the pallet settle to the deck. It wasn't flush against the door, but instead would allow the door to open about two centimeters. That looked like about as secure as I could make it. The door would not open through my trunk, and trying to would make a racket. Satisfied, I crawled into my bunk and hoped to be able to sleep. I shouldn't have worried. Chapter 46 Diurnia system, twenty-three fifty-eight, November seventh. My tablet woke me in time for watch, and I felt surprisingly refreshed. Nothing like a little violence in the middle of the night to make morning watch just one more insult to injury. I dragged myself out of the bunk and into the shower. The water felt good, and I was very grateful that I still had skin to feel it on. I did have one bruise on my hip, although I didn't remember where I got it. Probably when I fell on the deck. I got into a fresh ship suit and gently moved the grav pallet back into the locker. I locked it down and locked it closed. He may be able to get into the room, but he was going to have to work for it if he wanted my stuff. Somewhat gingerly, I cracked open the stateroom door and peeked out into the passage. There was one smear of something that could have been blood down near the deck, about where Mosler would have landed, faced first, no doubt. The coast seemed clear, so I moved out. "'secured the door and headed to the mess deck "'to get a cup of coffee to take up to the bridge. "'I knew that Karen would bring coffee with breakfast, "'but that was almost a stand away and I wasn't about to wait. "'When I got back to the bridge, "'I found all of second section gaping at me "'as I came up over the ladder. "'I checked my zippers ostentatiously "'and looked over my shoulder to see if there was anybody behind me. "'There wasn't. "'I was about ten ticks early to relieve the watch. "'Mr. Huang,' Arletta said, "'a moment, if you please.' "'She nodded to the bridge wing.' I smiled and ambled across the deck. "'You're not going to hit me, are you?' I asked with a small smile. "'I will if you don't tell me what happened last night, and I mean now, mister.' She said it fiercely, and I was almost afraid. It was quite a performance. "'Burnside sent the Bumble Brothers to rough me up last night,' I said flatly with my back to the bridge. I wasn't sure how far that story had spread yet. "'Are you all right?' she asked, her brow furrowing in concern and her eyes scanning me for damage. I shrugged and sipped my coffee. "'I got a bruise on my hip, right about there,' I said, pointing to the approximate location. "'They hit your hip?' she asked. "'No, I rolled off my bunk, and I think I got it when I hit their feet,' I shrugged. "'Other than that, they never came close. "'I gave her the quick outline, ending with my using my grav pallet to block the door. "'They could have come in through the head,' she said. "'Yeah, I agreed, but they had quite a lot to think about last night. "'David has a broken left hand, and probably a cracked rib or two. "'Those boys are traveling fast, and the bulkhead is hard.' One of them lost some blood from planting his nose on the bulkhead. It wouldn't surprise me to find out that at least one of them has a black eye. I shrugged. I'll talk to Mel today and see if there's some kind of deadbolt arrangement I can use on my side of the head. If they come through the door, that's one thing, but I'd like to prevent them from opening it first. We stood there, looking at each other. This is really messed up, she said finally. You think? I asked. What do you think we can do about it? she pressed. Well... Relieve the watch so you can go get breakfast and let Mel know I'm really okay. She heard the crashing and sent me a message on the tablet. Ishmael, we heard the crashing up here. I sent Ula down to look, but by the time she got there, there was nothing to see. Well, that's a relief, I said. The last thing they needed was a witness. I'm going to be interested to hear what story they come up with. Story for what? Arletta asked. Well, David's going to show up for breakfast in a cast. It's going to be difficult to hide, I noted. You mean it? He broke his hand? she asked. That wasn't a figure of speech. I'm pretty sure he broke at least a couple of fingers and some of the small bones in his hand. I could be wrong, but his fist was right beside my ear when it hit the bulkhead, and it sounded very nasty. The bulkheads are rather hard and somewhat unyielding, I observed dryly. Mosler smashed the back of his head on my desk when he fell, and somebody smashed nose enough to make it bleed when they bounced David off the bulkhead in the passageway. You can see the blood on the bulkhead just above the floor when you go down. What about opponents? she asked. I shrugged. He was sandwiched between Burnside and Mosler when the bulkhead stopped him. A lot will depend on how much cushion he got from David's body against the metal. Juliet came up the ladder then, and I could see the relief on her face when she saw me standing there. Well, shall we do this little thing we call watch? I asked Arletta. The ship's on course and on target— There were loud noises in the officer's country passageway last night. Investigation turned up nothing significant. You may relieve the watch, she said. You logged it? I asked incredulously. She shrugged. What else could I do? I wasn't sure what was happening, but I know it happened less than a stand after I took the watch. I have the watch, Ms. Novea, logged at 2358, September 2 at 0545 per standing order, I told her. Juliet and Betts swapped places at the helm, and if she patted him fondly on the butt, I didn't see it, although I did approve, and Mr. Betts went up a couple of notches in my estimation. I sat down at the watch console and sipped coffee, reviewing the sparse notes that Arletta had posted. It wasn't very specific, but it did establish the time and place. I shrugged mentally. Juliet was waiting patiently for me to finish my review, but I could tell she was about ready to burst. "'Miss Jackson, is everything all right?' I asked. "'You seem a bit jumpy this morning.' "'Very fine, sar," she said. "'I was just concerned. "'There were stories. "'Stories, Miss Jackson. "'I thought we'd established that gossip-mongering was Miss Deng's role. "'Oh, indeed we have, sar," she replied, "'and far be it for me to even try to step into her very capable shoes. "'Still, even amateurs hear things. "'Things, Miss Jackson,' I asked. "'Could you be more specific? "'Is there going to be rain this afternoon? "'Should we man the bilge pumps?' "'She chuckled. "'Well, sar, Mr. Burnside is locked in the auto-dock.' It won't let him out. Locked, I asked. Yes, sir," she said. Apparently, he had some kind of accident last night, and when he went to sick bay and got into the auto dock, it latched down, and it's still treating him. That seems extreme," is Jackson, I said, frowning. Does anybody know what kind of damage he's being treated for? According to Mister. Opponus, he has a broken hand, three broken ribs, and a concussion. A concussion. I couldn't help but ask, but as soon as I did, I knew how it happened. Those bulkheads are hard, and with opponents and Mosler slamming into your chest, the whiplash would have been pretty painful. Yes, she replied. He apparently bumped his head on something. That would follow, I agreed. I wondered if we'd be watch and watch for the ride into Diurnia. On the other hand, having nobody in the chair would probably improve the safety and security of the ship from what I'd seen of Burnside's watchstanding habits. Is anybody saying how all this damage came about, I asked, after a few heartbeats of consideration. No, sir, although a few people thought they heard something just after the midwatch changed, she said, some kind of loud crash in officer country. Perhaps he fell out of bed, I suggested. Onto to pony's and Mosler, sir, she asked. I blinked as I tried to catch up with her. Why, what's wrong with them, I asked. Mosler has a broken nose and ponis has a strained shoulder and a black eye, she replied. "'It was apparently a very dangerous night around here last night,' I said. "'Yes, sir, apparently so,' she agreed. "'I'm glad I was safe in my stateroom and out of harm's way,' I said. "'Yes, sir, I am too.' "'After a moment she added, "'And, sir?' "'Yes, Miss Jackson. "'Keep practicing, sir. "'You're getting better, but it's still not quite there.' "'Thank you for the critique, Miss Jackson. "'I'll take it under advisement.' "'Yes, sir, you're very welcome, sir,' she said with a perfectly straight face "'and not even a hint of giggle in her voice.' It was masterful, really. A few ticks later, Miss Kramer came up the ladder looking in my direction like she wasn't sure what she was going to see. I was pleased to see her look relieved. Here you go, sir, she said, walking up to the console and placing my breakfast tray on the customary corner. Thank you, Miss Kramer, I said. It looks as delicious as ever. She headed down over the ladder and must have passed Charlotte coming up. You two aren't mongering in my absence, are you? she asked brightly when she got to the bridge. Not at all, Miss Deng, I assured her. We were just comparing notes in preparation for your arrival. I settled down to my breakfast while they traded the helm off, and Juliet went below. So what fresh news have you this morning, Miss Deng, I asked. Well, sir, there are rumors, and I stress that they are only rumors, that Mr. Burnside will be in the auto-dock for the rest of the day. The rest of the day, I asked. Isn't that rather extreme? He took a blow to the chest, sir. That seems to have broken three ribs and cracked two others, she said. You may be aware, sir, that lungs and heart are located behind the ribs. I had heard something to that effect, Miss Deng, yes, I assured her, from relatively reliable sources. Yes, sir, I try not to put too much stock in unconfirmed reports, as you know, she assured me. Very good policy, Miss Deng. Thank you, sir, very nice of you to say so. Miss Deng will likely be in Diurnia in about nine days, I prompted. Oh, yes, Sar, well, the auto-doc has him latched in and sedated. It won't release him until it stabilized the ribs and made sure he's not going to stab himself from the inside. And the concussion, I asked. Oh, Sar, has that story made it up here already? She turned to me, eyes narrowing suspiciously. Are you certain you two weren't, you know, telling stories? Well, the subject might have come up, I admitted, but I assure you that it was inadvertent. She looked unconvinced, but proceeded. Yes, he has a concussion, and a rather large contusion on the back of his head, but that's a relatively minor issue. Relatively, I repeated. Compared to the ribs, yes, sir. I see. And in any of these rumors, are there any suggestions as to what may have been the cause, I asked. Oh, yes, sir, according to Mr. Aponis. He tripped. Mr. Aponis tripped? I asked. No, sir. Mr. Burnside tripped. And fell on his... head? I asked. No, sir. She smiled, as if I were being quite funny. On his stomach. That's how he broke his ribs. And the contusion on the back of his head, I asked. How did that occur? Mr. Eponis hasn't offered any explanation for that, sir. She assured me. Has anyone else? I asked. Well, there are rumors, sir. Yes, I'm sure, I said. After a moment, I added, and his broken hand. Mr. Oponis has a broken hand, sir? No, Mr. Burnside's broken hand. She looked at me aghast, her eyes wide in surprise. He has a broken hand? she asked. Well, it was just a rumor, Miss Deng, I assured her. You should be more careful, sir. There are a lot of amateurs around. They spread all kinds of tales. Thank you for that reminder, Miss Deng. That will teach me to listen to amateurs, I assured her as graciously as I could. She sniffed in dismissal. I should hope so, she huffed. Why, there's one story making the rounds that Burnside led Aponis and Mosler into your stateroom about 0445 this morning in order to pound some sense into you and get you out of their way. "'But instead of pounding you senseless, you managed to give him the slip in the dark "'and go out into the passage in your skivvies. "'When Burnside found you, he took a swing and broke his left hand on the bulkhead "'when you ducked and then was steamrollered by his own thugs when you stepped out of the way. "'They slammed him into the bulkhead across from your stateroom, "'which is how he got his ribcage smashed and that nasty balk on the back of his head. "'I practically choked on my coffee and mentally kicked myself for drinking it "'while Miss Deng was speaking.' Of course, that's just a rumor, Sar. There's not one shred of evidence to support it. Rather a detailed rumor, I commented. Oh, you know how people like to embroider stories, Sar. And you're sure there's no evidence, I asked, thinking I'd tripped her up. Quite sure, yes, Sar, she said. It's just a rumor. I see, I said quietly. Oh, Sar, she asked after a moment, did you know that there was some kind of dirt on the bulkhead across from your stateroom? I think I saw something there this morning on my way to relieve the watch. Yes, I said. Why? Oh, well, if you saw it, then why didn't you clean it up? She asked crossly. Aren't you always after us to keep the ship neat and clean? I suppose I should have, I admitted, but I was in a hurry to get to the bridge. Oh, it's okay, sir, I understand, she said, her face crinkling into a smile. I cleaned it for you. Thanks for listening to Double Share, a trader's tale from the golden age of the solar clipper. The music is a medley of jigs, eavesdroppers, both meat and drink, and Off We Go by Great Big Sea from their self-titled debut album. Find this and other songs by Great Big Sea at music.podshow.com. This has been a presentation from Durandis, offered under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 U.S. License. For website and more information on the Golden Age, visit www.solarclipper.com.